0: Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, to connect with a collection of the best, most exciting creative agencies from around the world. In this podcast, Private Views, we aim to shine a light on the dynamic between design talent
1: and business leadership, exploring how some of today's most compelling brands are being built by meeting the folks from both sides of the equation.
0: In this episode, we meet Simon Polley, Whose career bounced from startup to design studio and now back to startup. This time with his own venture, co founding Merchery with his childhood best friend. Merchery sources beautiful, sustainably produced products which customers
1: are able to customise. They are bringing corporate and promotional swag to a new level. As an indication of their point of difference, some of the merch available is by the likes of Patagonia,
2: Violetti, Rains, and Mont Blanc. We've all come across that, that shitty pen that doesn't work, that, that USB key that you don't use, that, that, that sweatshirt that's, that's uh, low quality. And so the goal is really to think about it with quality in mind and with beauty. And, uh, and that is a pretty uh, spontaneous process, uh, to be
1: honest. For Mercury, it's always about quality over quantity, from the product itself to how the customization is integrated. But there are greater challenges to a startup like theirs. Giving some transparency into the manufacturing process is one, with products whose
0: supply chain can span the globe. Simon speaks to Alfie Friend and Plink co-founder Max Luthi about why the corporate customization market was broken, how they are starting to fix it, and why company swag is newly relevant as workforces go
3: remote. This space of promotional products like it can feel um, a little corporate a little unsexy you know uh, how what drew you to that space? what drew the two of you and you said you know this is the this is the industry or the the sector that we're going to tackle and pour our you know time and energy into
2: um, well, truth be told we never told ourselves that we would tackle or change this industry uh, it really came to us. To Long story short, basically, when I was at Base Design, I launched a side project with, with Ben, my current co-founder. Um, it was a brand of reusable bottles, so probably, you know, a lot of brands. There was nothing crazy about the project, um, but the idea was to kind of start and, and start to play with a, a brand image, with a product, um so we started we started to sell on Instagram and also to some retailers um and the goal with this brand was to reinvent the bottle and make it a fashion accessory uh and to be honest the bottle was not special at all however some companies contacted us uh asking to to personalize the the bottles Uh, And that's how we started doing our first merge. Uh, Then another company came, a third, a fourth, and at some point we realized that, you know, we were making more business from the B2B side than from the B2C. Uh, And that's how the idea of of Merchery was born. And we we thought, okay, what if we expand the selection beyond the bottles um, to other products, other brands that we love, that we would like to receive ourselves um and in may 2020 we uh we uh, we launched mercury
3: very cool i love that you started from a kind of consumer facing challenge and unlocked almost a, a bigger b2b platform opportunity um and in terms of like you know the range of of items you offer on mercury from bottles you know and not just one type of bottle uh, there's more than I can even count, and you know, from uh, I, I see you've brewed beers, uh, golf balls. Like I'd love to know just how, your your process. How do you decide? You know, what's the sort of sorting mechanism for going? You know, is this something we should stock? Is there a demand for it? Uh, you know, it, is the question you ask. Could we do it differently? Talk to me how you how you come almost from concept to a product actually landing on Mercury mm Hmm
2: um well look to be honest it's pretty unstructured it's pretty not organized um it's it's we we always try to find products that we think are nice and that we would want for ourselves um that's really the starting point so we have a product team now there there are five people and they hang out a lot on instagram and um we brainstorm a lot on uh, on products we find shitty in this industry um, and on products we, we that are not existent in the industry. And we try to fill in uh, a pipe, a funnel of ideas. And then obviously, whenever we have an idea, there are a lot of different criterias that make it possible or not to onboard a product. It starts by, is the product sustainable? And, you know, we can go deeper in what sustainable mean, but... Basically, is the product uh, durable? Um, is the product beautiful? I mean, will people keep it more than two weeks? Um, can the product be customized? Because sometimes we find amazing brands, and it's it's obviously uh, impossible for them to customize the product, so it, it's not in our um, in our ballpark. Um, and other questions like uh, is the pricing interesting would people buy it as a corporate gift? um to be honest sometimes we add products just before because we really like them uh not because we think they would make some amazing uh, corporate gifts um but in the end the the goal as i say is to create a selection of product that people want and it's really the challenge in, is in the, in this industry we I mean we've all come across that that shitty pen that doesn't work that that USB key that you don't use that 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 sweatshirt that's that's uh low quality and so the goal is really to to think about it in in um with uh, with quality in mind and with with beauty and uh and that is a pretty uh spontaneous process uh to be honest
3: I'd love to know you know When, where you decide, you know, this is a product we need to make ourselves versus this is a product where we should approach a brand, whether it's Nalgene or Swell or or Patagonia, you know, um, what's the, what's the sort of, again, maybe it's not a framework, but what's the process? Yeah, see, I keep trying to put everything into frameworks and buckets and maybe that's not how it goes, but tell me, how do you end up with that split on your, uh, on your platform? Um. So
2: indeed, we have two types of products. We have the, the white label products, which, which are the, the products sourced directly to the producer. And then we have the brands. Um, both have um, their utilities. Obviously, a Patagonia jacket is valuable because it has an emotional value to the person that receives it. I mean, everybody knows Patagonia, but also because they push product development a bit further, I mean, they push quality further than we are able to do when we source white label products, however, they are more expensive. And so white label products can be produced in quantities uh, very quickly and be customized very easily as well. Um, so that's why we always try to have this balance. Uh, sometimes we we manage to have it, sometimes not, but it's okay. Um, and the, the process and the, the balance that we always try to, to keep is 40, 40% white label, 60% brands. Sometimes it's more for a new batch of products, sometimes it's less. But the general idea is that we always need to be able to serve any client that comes to us. So for example, if I take the, the, the category, uh, the pants, uh, I mean, believe it, believe it or not, there is a whole industry for customized pens, uh, some companies are like really huge, uh, personalizing pens. But if you take this, this category, you have the very top and the very top product on our catalog is the Mont Blanc. It's, it's 200, uh, uh, euros, uh, the, the pen. It's, it's crazy high quality. It's, it's very good. Mm. And then you have the Caran it's 30, 30, 35 something. So it's more accessible, but it's still quite expensive. And then you have a, a pen that's made in Germany uh, from recycled plastic. Uh, it's a very high quality pen, but it's still it's two euros a unit, something like that. And but we, we want to take it. We want to offer it because we, we think that um, not all companies can offer Mont Blanc. So we need to kind of be open about the range of qualities um and and pre um, premier prices that we want to offer
3: okay back to this example of patagonia because patagonia specifically i remember uh, once giving a presentation to a room full of private equity bros right and they were straight up every single one of them in a zip up patagonia gilet um you know with the private equity company or hedge fund kind of logo emblazoned on it um, and they all had like the slick back Patrick Bateman hair. it was quite quite a sight, and literally just a few few months later, Patagonia announced that they were no longer going to put you know corporate logos on I, I don't know if it was all of their products, but have you encountered any you know do you have to almost pitch yourselves and say, "Look well, we're going to treat this category differently and with respect you know do you, for some of those brands they're so protective over how their brand is portrayed and Priced and where it's sold. Um, I'd love to know if you kind of have to win them over, almost, as opposed to let's just buy your products in bulk and and you know we'll handle the rest.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, the whole the whole point about Mercury is to push the barriers in the product selection, uh, and this means go and onboard products that are unusual for this industry. And so that involves some convincing in the process uh, to the brands. Uh, We go to them and we explain them them what we are doing and what we think is different with Mercury compared to other um, industry uh, um, players. Uh, If you take the example of Patagonia, it's a very good example um, because we we, we will very soon onboard Patagonia on the websites. And we will be one of the first European reseller to again sell uh, B2B uh, Patagonia products. Uh, And that's amazing for us. And our pitch when we go to those brands is very simple. It's, okay, the the corporate gifting industry is is a mess. It's dangerous. You don't want to lose the control of your brands. Um, And we are offering a platform on which we will respect your brand and your values. Um, I know we'll we'll discuss about it later, but we are B Corp, we are 1% for the planet. So as 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 a brand like Patagonia, you are reassured that we are doing things properly. But also visually, I mean, the brand won't be destroyed. Um and with brands like Patagonia, we, we commit on not selling to I don't know fossil fuel companies or autom- uh, car companies or anything that's bad for the environment or socially unacceptable. Um, and so yes, it's we are pitching very often those products, and when we win them, we really have a new way to acquire clients. We and we that's the goal at Mercury. We really want to go and sign exclusivities to, with those brands and say okay uh let us be your preferred preferred uh b2b uh reseller and let's work together on making this properly uh and avoid a, a shit show like all the uh the vc bros
3: <laughs> okay yeah it yeah that's really interesting I, I hadn't i didn't realize that you had um you almost couldn't you were almost making promises or not almost you were making promises to Partner brands that you wouldn't sell to certain businesses. That's really uh, fascinating and, and good for you. I mean, let's talk a little bit about sustainability and how you know it's a part of your business. I think, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on two different aspects, but actually, three different aspects. It's such a big topic. Um, the three things I'm particularly curious about are, you know, okay, presumably you're looking in terms of the actual design itself, the reusability, the materials but also you know preventing people from buying shit they don't need uh, i feel like as you mentioned earlier on right a lot of the gifts you receive it's just you know a usb stick or something you really don't need more of and then you know the third element i'd love to talk about is um is almost the challenges around the complex the complexity of actually tracing and tracking and managing so many different products and so many different categories if you look at the recent, you know, headlines around organic cotton and how, you know, up to half of it or more than half of it may not be organically farmed, for example, you know, that just sounds like a full-time job for every single product you stock. So a lot there, a sort of three-tiered question. <laughs> I'm happy to remind you of, of any elements if if, uh, if I went on too long, but I'd love to know your thoughts on it.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the... So if you if you look back at the industry, um, most of the players are basically sourcing their products on huge catalogs from very big uh, distributors, uh, importers that import in mass from from Asia, and basically those players they have access to those catalog and they they do not source the products themselves. They just customize them. Um, what we do is that we take each product, whether it is a brand or a manufacturer, and we go to them. So we're going we're gonna to look on LinkedIn for the founder of the brand, and we're going to send him or her a message, or we're going to look for the, the manufacturer, and we're going to call them or, or go and see them. Uh, so there, another, um, there is another process for sourcing product, I think, in Mercury. When we source brands it's 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 obviously easier. Um, we, we only source brands that are very transparent about their, the way they, they produce and are honest about it. And there are actually very simple ways to double check everything. Uh, and we got very very good at it. Uh, you can check the, the labels, the standards they're using. you can see if they are they have any uh, certification. Uh, and that's what we do. And usually, to be honest, with brands, it's very easy and straightforward. You can see the behind the scene, how they're producing. It's very, it's very straightforward. What's very complicated is with the white label products. So usually the white label products, they are made in uh, manu- manufacturers. And it's more complicated. It's another um, a vocabulary. Uh, and we took some time, to be honest, to understand that. Um, but now, for example, we have something like, I don't know, uh, 10% or 15% of our products that are sourced in China. Uh, now we became professional at looking for the specific certification that we need, uh, working with people on site to go and check the the, the um, condition, work conditions, etc. But it's a whole work. Really, we spend a lot of time on it. Uh, it's It's really barrier that we are trying to build against our competitors. It's the sourcing of products. Um, and then, yeah, to to the, the challenge of tracing and tracking goes before we onboard the product. Um, and yeah, it's not easy. Uh, we we had some, some products that were and are made of organic cotton. Uh, if you look at the industry today, it's been a mess for more than a year or if not two years, actually, uh, the prices went very up. And we proceeded to a down, down size of, of our catalog. There are some products that we exclude, excluded, some suppliers that we stopped working with. So uh, it's always, it's an ongoing process. Um, I think we started the, the project with um, something like uh, 35, 40 product, products. And from those 35 to 40 products, uh, I think uh, two-thirds must remain. The rest, we we changed, we improved, we found new manufacturers. So it's an ongoing process.
3: Awesome. Well, I mean, I would just say as someone who's trying to do, when we explore everything from our packaging to sourcing to, you know, reusable bottles and, and even our own, you know, branded apparel uh, with our own company, it's... It's so hard and so time intensive uh and expensive and then you have to try and pass those costs on to the, you know, the end customer and, and justify that that margin. So uh just as someone who knows what a challenge it is on a very small scale at the beginning of this journey, and you know, kudos on all the work you guys have clearly put into it to date to to have so many products that you've been able to vet and, and track and kind of guarantee.
2: Yeah. If if you go by the way on the website, we will tell you more about where and how it's made. Um, and yeah, of course, sometimes sometimes products are they are made in China. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to be transparent, and that's the first step, in my opinion.
3: And also, just back to that original point, and maybe this is a this is a tough one to answer. It's sort of one of my own personal hangups. Um, or not hang ups, you know, I guess my my purpose is to think about, when you look at consumerism, often we think, okay, we need better materials, we need better sourcing, we need better agriculture, etc. But one of the things people don't discuss as often is we just need to consume less, right? Like, uh, it's not necessarily about buying 100% organic cotton hoodie, it's about not actually buying that new hoodie. And I imagine, you know, you probably, I don't know, I imagine you don't you wouldn't necessarily feel a responsibility, right? If someone wants to buy hoodies for their team, it's not really your job to say, do they need a thousand hoodies at this tech conference, right? Um, But I don't know. Is that something you think about? Um, Is it a challenge that any business can address? If your business is to sell things, can you tell people to buy less? I mean, Patagonia infamously, sorry to keep coming back to them, but infamously tried with the don't buy this jacket billboard that sold a whole bunch of jackets,
2: Yeah, I mean, we are on a very small scale doing our best. And obviously the best option is to just buy nothing. Um, However, I believe that our positioning really um, tries to convince people that we need to go for quality over quantity. Uh, and so the hoodie you're going to buy is going to be more expensive at Mercury. Um, so in a way we could competing with a lot of players that really are on this mass customization market, and we are not, uh, we are more premium, we are more expensive and it means that the products are m- more qualitative and we hope last longer. Um, and that's really the least we can do, but that's really your positioning. And I think. I think it's the starting point.
3: Yeah. In, in a way, I think you've actually, yeah, that's actually a great answer in, in terms of, you know, actually uh, having a higher price point is almost a way of saying don't don't buy frivolous uh, corporate gifts or products, you know, commit to buying fewer or better options.
2: And, and actually we do. Um, so we, we are not a, a full e-commerce, meaning that we are not fully self-service. So there is always um, a, a uh, discussion with one of our uh, team members. And usually people want to have advice uh, because they're not necessarily creatives or they don't necessarily know what the team wants. And w- what we always suggest is we start from the budget and we say, okay, what do you usually offer? And they say, ah, oh, we offer a pen, a notebook and blah, blah, blah. And we say, okay, what if this year you just Offer one single thing, um, and usually that's a that's a narrative that works pretty well, uh, and and then that's our strategy: just buy better. Uh, that's that's the the positioning.
3: How did COVID impact your business in terms of you know uh, the demand, the changes in demand that you experience? Um, we we were born during COVID. I mean.
2: We launched in May 2020, so it was already COVID and lockdown. So I could I could not compare before and after COVID. Um, so I, I couldn't I couldn't really assess the impact COVID had on our business because I don't know what what it was before. Um, however, if we look at the industry, um, a lot of companies concentrated their efforts internally uh, and stopped the promotional aspect of uh, our industry, the merch. Uh, And they really invested in making sure that they are spoiling their employees and that their brand also enters the employee's um, house and, uh, you know, home working life. Um, And that's, I think, uh, um, something that will keep... Uh, keep on in the future, that this switch from um, promotional industry uh, for the merch industry uh, to uh, internal use is going to, I think, sustain in the future. And now that um, things are reopening up, uh, events, trade shows, uh, for us at Merchery, we have more and more clients asking for merch to promote their brands. Uh, But the COVID definitely... Made a switch from um, promotional to internal.
3: Something I'm curious about, you know, as I browse the site uh, and and the products you have on offer is you, you know, you clearly have your own brand identity and your own aesthetic um, and even a color palette, I would say. And does that, do you set um, guardrails in terms of the degree of customization that you allow that almost mean there's almost three tiers of of branding to consider: the your parent brand, the potentially say the brand that you're stocking on the site, and then the kind of uh, customization element that the the client chooses. Like, do do you have almost that parent rulebook of things that fit within the Mercury identity?
2: Um, I mean the the Mercury identity transpires in our selection of products. So that's the first point. However, once a client wants a product, we will always leave the priority and uh, the, the main show to the, to the to the brand itself. But it's true that we are, we are really trying our best to make sure that we produce beautiful items, whatever the brand. So to be honest, we have really shitty brands contacting us not because they are um they are bad brands but because visually they are not really really nice we always try to uh work on the design so that it remains beautiful uh so for example we print a lot of black on black for example uh so that people when they take their jacket they just you you just don't see their huge logo on it um we uh, we print a lot um very discreetly so we try not to put the logo in huge on the backpack otherwise people won't use it and it's ugly so we try to put it discreetly uh, inside the bag so in a way we try to um, to to bring a merchery um, um, vibe into every product that we produce however it's still customization so uh, sometimes we 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 have to to um, adapt with the brand that we have in front of us. So yes.
3: Yeah, really interesting. I yeah, that's exactly the word you use. Discreet is is probably the best summary of what I was almost describing in terms of seeing on the on the site and in the products. And you re- that's a really um, that makes total sense. That that's something you're aiming for.
2: Yeah, people it's, people it's. don't want your big logo on on the bottle or on the bag. Nobody wants the, the logo in big on any item. They want it discreetly and, and in the end what counts is the the gift itself, right? It's the gift of uh of the company to or the organization to the individual and he or she will remember about it and that's what matters that what matters the most. Um, so we really push to make it as
3: as discreet as possible. It's interesting, you're, yeah, you're, you're a sort of let the product speak for itself kind of guy. And um, I'm admittedly a bit of a slap logo on it, <laughs> as big as possible guy. You know, I was, the, I was the kind of kid who was stoked to put Jaegermeister stickers on everything he had and <laughs> saw the rest of it. But um, really, yeah, really interesting. There is another point, which is
2: we really uh, value, as I say, production at Mercury. So whenever we produce something that's beautiful, we really we really are celebrating internally. Um, and that involves, yeah, working with beautiful brands, of course, uh, but it's even better when you have a shitty brand and you make a beautiful product. It feels better because you you really made it feels like you you gave something to <laughs> to the company, which is something they don't have, which is a little bit of I don't know might be pretentious, but a little bit of style or, um, yeah, um, taste. <laughs> um, and that's really the, we have a, a team meeting every week and everyone is showing their production. And whenever it's uh, good or shitty, we talk
3: about it a lot. And I'd love to know your take and your co-founder's take and, you know, your kind of organizational approach to competition. Does it keep you up at night? Um you know, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that you're bootstrapped in a moment, but presumably some of your competitors are incredibly well-healed. Do you worry about them seeing your approach and just kind of copying, copying and pasting it? Um, so, I mean, the,
2: the industry is is, is huge. Um, when you just think about it, almost every company on earth brands items. So, I think it's more than hundred. 25 billion dollar industry, so it's it's crazy, it's crazy big, um, and we have a lot of competitors, and I believe that we 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 I, I really don't care about competition. I believe that we are not in a winner takes all uh, situation market, um, and my only uh, preoccupation is really about. Our work and our craft and our market position will evolve depending on how good we are, and that's it. Um, and we we can live with other competitors. I mean, in the U.S. only, there are more than fifty companies making more than fifty million of revenue a year in our industry, so it's huge. Uh, and I, I don't want to compare it to a bakery, like when you're when you open a bakery. Um, 50 meters from another one, it will, it can work. Uh, I don't. It's not 100 uh, percent the case here, but we are close to it. A lot of different businesses can can coexist locally, globally, uh, with different offers. Uh, so I'm really not afraid about that, and I rather spend my time looking at our craft, the products we have, the clients we serve than look around and worry about losing market shares or whatsoever. There's a, a huge market is not enough. And, um, and I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that we can be successful uh, while other businesses in our industry will also be successful. So not afraid about that
0: uh, at all. That was Alfie Friend and Plink co-founder Max Luthi speaking to Simon Polley the co-founder of Mercury. A big thank you from myself, Nick and Toby for listening. Thank you also to our producer, David Michon, to Sean Crook for editing this episode and to George Grinling for the theme music.
1: To find other episodes, search for Private Views wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Alfie, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle at Ask Us for Ideas. And finally... Please do share and rate this episode and subscribe to Private Views so you'll be first to know when new episodes drop. Until next time.